Well, hello, and welcome to another edition of the e-commerce evolution podcast. I'm your host, Brett Curry, CEO of OMG Commerce. And I got to say, this episode's been a while in the making. I don't even think my guest knows that, but I've been thinking about this dude, wanting to have this guy on the podcast for quite some time. Uh, several friends of mine recommended this guest to me probably a year ago. Like, hey, you got to get this guy on the podcast. And so uh, I had the pleasure of, of hanging out with Mr. Mike Jackness uh, again in Miami a few weeks ago at yeah. our, our mutual friend Steve Chu's event, Seller Summit. It was an awesome event. And what was even better than, than being at the event, which the event was amazing, we had a speaker mastermind afterwards. And it was one of those things where I, I, I talked to Mike before, but listening to him operate in that speaker mastermind where we all brought a topic, an issue, a problem, whatever, and then we all gave each other feedback... I was like, dude, this is this is a, a smart fella and uh, really was, was glad to get to hang out with him. And this episode of the e-commerce evolution podcast is brought to you by OMG Commerce. If you're selling a significant amount on Amazon and you're not running retargeting ads, you probably should be. Retargeting ads are not new for online marketers by any means. But if you're selling on Amazon, your retargeting options up to this point have been extremely limited. Enter Amazon DSP ads. If you haven't heard of Amazon DSP ads, or if you're not taking advantage of them, you should probably listen up. Amazon DSP, stands for Demand Side Platform, allows you to run display ads on Amazon.com and across the web to woo back shoppers if they visit your product listings and do not buy. But it gets better. You can also target people who visit your competitors' products or similar ASINs and don't buy. And you can target them with display ads on Amazon.com and across the web. And those are just a few of the audiences you can build and target through Amazon DSP. So if that sounds interesting, you have two options. You can either work directly with Amazon, but their minimums are quite steep, often to the tune of tens of thousands of dollars. Or you can work with an agency like OMG Commerce and potentially avoid those minimums. If you want to know more, visit OMG Commerce and click on the Amazon Advertising tab. And now, back to the show. Quick intro for those that don't know Mike, and then we're going to dive right into some really fun stuff. He is the president and CEO of Terran.com, owner of multiple e-commerce brands, including Tactical.com, Wild Baby, Ice Wraps, Color It, and more. He's the host of the Ecom Crew podcast, one of my favorite podcasts. You should check it out. He's also a fantastic trainer and speaker. Uh, just has the desire to help people too, just to, to be kind of an open book and help people grow. And so with that, Mike Jackness, welcome to the show, man. Really appreciate you coming on. Thanks. You, uh, you built me up a lot now. So this is going to be a high bar to, to sit on the podcast here. <laughs> uh, full confidence. I've got full confidence you'll, you'll deliver the goods. So uh, if you don't mind, Mike, just give like a, a, a real brief background. Like how did you get into e-commerce? How did you get into this game? And then we're going to dig into some really fun topics. But but how'd you get here? Yeah, I mean the the short the shortest abbreviated version I can give you because it's a long story these days is uh, I you know I quit my job in 2004, so I've been out doing affiliate marketing and SEO and these types of things for for quite a while. Uh, back in 2004, I was doing online poker affiliate marketing, uh, okay. so it was yeah. SEO and content and uh, incentive based marketing around that. I left that in 2010, kind of semi retired for a little bit. Uh, and during that period, I was buying a bunch of domain names, uh, and I still do. I'm still a big domainer guy. 
Uh, and one of the domains I had purchased was treadmill.com. And I did not know it when I purchased it at the time, but that was going to lead me into getting an e-commerce. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was definitely a cool domain, cool project. Um, and that's, yeah, that's how I got an e-commerce. I was actually running it as an affiliate site to start with. And I was out on a hike one day. Uh, I, I love hiking. I love getting out in nature and just kind of, it gives me time to think. And I was just thinking and being realistic with myself about what I was doing with my life and with my business and for the world. And I was just being honest with myself in terms of like running these affiliate sites was not a moral and not really shady, but kind of a little bit of that at the same time, because you know, you're, you're recommending products for the people that are paying you the most and let's just be realistic. And it's a confusing experience for most people that use the internet that don't really understand how the internet works. So they're, they think they're doing a good job researching the best treadmill or whatever it might be. And then they land on treadmill.com and then they click on a link and they're on sports authority and don't really quite understand like what happened. And, and, and I was like, you know what? I, I want to do better. And I, I think I can do better. So I want to start being the one that actually sells these treadmills and sells this equipment and understand it better and put together better, more thought out reviews and offer better customer service since being offered in this space. And I know nothing about selling anything online, but I'm going to figure it out. And lo and behold, I did. Yeah, I love it. I actually have a few friends with with the background that's somewhat similar where starting affiliate marketing, learn all about traffic and offers and conversion and how to make that work. SEO was always yeah. often the initial play and then parlayed that into a real e-commerce business. And I think you know, the affiliate space is a great way to make a, a lot of money and a good income, but better in the long term, I think, and I know you agree to build a business because now, you, now you've you got sellable assets, you can have exits, yeah. you feel like you're building something uh, rather than just kind of building something for somebody else. So, Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Very cool. I love that. Well, uh, I want to dive into a variety of topics. It's one of those things where I, I wanted to ask you a whole bunch of questions because I know you've got a, a really unique and inter- interesting perspective on a lot of things e-commerce. And so, uh, not long ago, I think it was episode 78, maybe, Austin Bronner, good friend of mine, e-commerce influence host, we talked about what separates an e-commerce company that scales from one that can't scale. And so one of the things that, that came up on that podcast and something we talk a lot about with our clients is line extension, adding new products to your mix. And occasionally, we'll run into companies that have just a couple of SKUs and and you know there's maybe one of them that's just that's just killing it and there's a great front end offer and you know it's the product is hot and so they're selling but eventually you know to grow to a certain point you have to have line extension and, and to have a sellable business you need to go multi skew so based on your experience i know you've built several e-commerce businesses now any any tips or advice on line extension when to add products how to add products things like that yeah, I mean, this is actually a really interesting and pretty nuanced question, right? Because it it's, it's uh, it, there's no blanket answer for every for every company. I think you gotta, you know, you have to think about your brand, your company, your products, what got you to where you already are, and and be very realistic of that. I think that a lot of times people try to just start adding products for the sake of adding products, which can be bad, right? You start you know, throwing good money after bad. It's like there's this instinctive thing in entrepreneurship. Uh, and plus there's also everything around you is like, you got to grow, you got to grow, you got to grow. And so at some point you do need to be realistic that there, there probably is the ultimate catalog for every business that will saturate and, and be at, at full capacity. And at some point adding more SKUs is going to have diminishing returns. 
And so you got to be thinking about your brand and your company and, and, and how it's going, that's going to fit the final picture of all of that. Uh, and, and you're always going to have the 80 20 rule. You're going to have some SKUs that are outliers that are going to do really well. Sure. But at the same time, it's really important to have other SKUs in your catalog for cross sells, upsells, um, getting the most out of each individual customer because e commerce, it's very difficult to acquire customers. It's the most expensive part. So once you have them, it's important if you have the type of business that can sell multiple SKUs to have other things to sell that same customer once they have faith in you. So, you know, it, it, again, because it's not a, a something that's a blanket answer I can give for, for everything, there's definitely some companies that will always just be a one SKU company. You know, it's just, that's the way it's going to be. Um, and, you know, I would encourage you to think about what your brand's going to look like in its ultimate manifestation, you know, in, in five years from now, 10 years from now, whatever, when it's completely built out and ask yourself, you know, does this product make sense in my catalog? And yeah. Yeah. is the same customer that bought product A going to buy product B? Uh, if you can say yes to these things, then I would encourage you to go off and, and develop those things. But don't try to stick a square peg in a round hole. Like, I mean, yeah. we, we have brands that, um, that we've made this mistake with, you know, so I can tell you yeah. firsthand, um, you know, for instance, we have a baby brand that we're struggling a little bit with because we tried to just release too many freaking SKUs all over the map. I mean, it's a big category. Um, and we've done much better now that we've narrowed in on one subset of a subset of a niche that is doing very well for us. So why not continue to make more of those types of products rather than be all over the map with like uh, a baby bag, you know, carrier and a balance bike and board game toys. And I mean, we got a little bit little yeah. bit crazy. Um, but it was because we were launching at a time when you could be like that on Amazon. You know, in 2015, you could launch pretty much anything versus now you better have a better business plan for, for that stuff. So hopefully that kind of answers the question. And Absolutely. And, and I think a couple of things we can dive into just a little bit there. I think you run into mistakes, like you said, when you, when you add products for the sake of adding products. So you hear all the gurus, all the experts saying, hey, line extension, you can't be a, a single skew business if you want to scale to eight or nine figures or whatever, whatever the, the case may be. Uh, and that's probably true, but you may not, that may not be your goal. Like you may not want to be that big. You may, you yeah. may be happy and content and successful selling one or two products. And if that's the truth, then do it. Um, one of the things that was, that was interesting, I was having flashbacks to the, uh, the mastermind that we were both in. And, you know, one of the things that, that was kind of a recurring theme that a lot of us shared was uh, one of the, the things we get duped into as entrepreneurs is, we're really successful at one thing, like this one product, this one audience, this one service. We're just killing it. And so we assume, well, the next thing I do, we'll, I'll crush that too. <laughs> right, yeah. The next thing I do is going to be easy, man. I'm, I'm, a, I'm, I'm a winner. I'm going to get this yep. done. But uh, the, next, the next product you launch, it's going to be hard, right? And, and, and consumers, they may love you for the product you have now, but if you release a crappy product number two or a crappy product number 10 or number 20, they'll be mad about that and, and, and that's going to taint things. And so it's not easy just to launch that next product. Yeah. Uh, so don't launch just for the sake of launching. You got to put in the work if you're going to launch that additional product. Um, and, and I think one thing, you know, that, that we've heard from, that I've heard from some of our clients that are successful at this is, you know, they, they, they I don't know that weight is the right word, but one of the things they look for is, are people asking for this additional thing? So they're buying my number one product. They're buying a lot of it. And they're saying, hey, uh, do you guys ever thought about doing this? You know, and so almost to the point where it gets like, we can't not offer this because so many people are asking for it. 
Yeah. Um, I think sometimes you can innovate and, and give, give your clients something they want that they didn't know they wanted uh, as well. Um, but I love, and I want to I dive into something you said that I thought was really, really important on, in the baby space. Huge space, right? You could go mm-hmm. uh, a million different directions there. You kind of dove into a subset of a subset of that space. How did you determine what that was? Was it more based on what you guys felt like you could do well, or was it more based on your customer? Yeah, it was based on the customer. It was based on you know the other all the things that we weren't doing well. We just kind of like launched this brand kind of haphazardly. Um, you know, one of the things you already mentioned, you just said it a second ago, is that one of the most dangerous things is you 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 get this you you put the Superman shirt on right because you think that when you have success that you can easily repeat it again. Um, another thing that businesses do, uh, my biggest leak in my business life has been when my business is doing the best, not when it's doing the worst. Because when you start making money and you have more money, you just start throwing it towards things that are dumb. Like the dumbest waste of money I've ever had has been when you've been the most successful. It's like, yes. oh, I got this money now and I'm going to go try this, this, and this, and this. And so my advice would be to be thinking, you know, thinking about it from the terms of if this was the only thing that I had, you know, if I had to live off of this next idea that I have and it was the only thing that I had to make money or this next product or this next thing I'm going to launch, would I still do it? If it was my only dollar that I had, you know, or 10000 or whatever dollars it would take to do that, would I do it? Or is this, oh, well, I have $100,000 in the bank now because I've been successful and taking 10K to like throw at this thing is like no big deal. I'm just going to go ahead and do it. Uh, you know, you, you get sloppy with your thinking. And so th- that's at least how it's been for me. And maybe other people are, are better at this than, than I've been. I'm more cognizant of it now, so I I don't do that as much. I've gotten a lot better. Um, but to get back to your question, in terms of what we ended up doing, what we niched down to, it was the thing that we were having success with. So we just got rid of all the interference, boiled it down to the things that was actually selling, and and now we're doing that. And it just happens, ironically, B, we have one sitting right here on the on my desk. It's a, oh, that's awesome! A, a that. these, uh, these stuffed animals that we've been doing that are doing really well. Plush um, that looks amazing. Yeah. So if you're watching the YouTube video, it's got a great sneak peek. If you got kids, <laughs> so so is that available available yeah. at wildbaby.com. Yeah, and Amazon. Yep, and Amazon. Nice, nice, very cool. So I think this is a great time to kind of uh, dive into the next subject. It, it's a it's a perfect fit. Uh, cross sells and upsells. So mm-hmm. tips, suggestions. Uh, how important is this? How do you guys go about this? What can you share about cross sales and upsells? Yeah, I mean, I I think it's incredibly important. I mean, again, I was I kind of hit on this a little bit ago, but it is definitely difficult to get a customer, right? I mean, uh, I was talking about this on another podcast the other day. You can be the best product in the world; it is still hard to get attention to get people to come buy your product. And I was using an analogy in the entertainment industry, like uh, people that are are singers or actors. You can like literally be the best singer that's ever existed in the entire world. Like getting attention and getting someone to notice you and get on the roadmap is, is difficult. And the same thing exists in, in e-commerce. And it's getting more and more difficult. It will always get more difficult because it's getting more saturated. So once you do have that customer, I think it's incredibly important to, to cross-sell and upsell because you want to get as much out of a customer once they know about you, once they've gotten over that trust hump. There's that, that always that Trump trust hump that you have getting a new customer. They, they don't know who you are. They don't know what your return policy is. They don't know if you're going to steal their money, if you're going to actually send them the product, if it's going to be defective. All these things that go through people's mind, even in 2019, uh, there's still a lot of skepticism when people buy on the internet. So if you can get them over that hump and you can get past all that stuff, and now all you got to do is convince them to buy something else, it's going to be way easier. So the thing that really helped make uh, 
the brand that we just sold, which was Colorate, really successful was focusing on this stuff. It really helped increase our profit margins. Uh, it increased our top line revenue as well. Um, it, it was really the thing that that kind of helped propel us. And you know, so it was we did a lot of really logical things. Like if somebody bought volume one of our mandala coloring book, we would offer them volume two. If they bought our standard set of gel pens, we'd offer them our glitter pens and, and things like this. Uh, and we would do that from every angle possible. We would send them an email. We'd run Facebook ads to them. We'd send them Facebook messages uh, and you know these types of things to get more out of those existing customers because to send that customer an email costs you a fraction of a fraction of a penny. To try to go acquire a new customer might cost you $25, but we all seem to naturally gravitate towards getting that new customer for some reason, because that's the more exciting thing somehow. I don't know how, yep. but a lot of yep. us fall in that trap, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and you and I were, uh, I asked you about Jay Abraham uh, as we we're kind of getting warmed up here. And, and I, I, he was the first one that I heard this from. He may not be the creator of it, but really only three ways to grow a business, get more new customers, increase your average order value, or increase the frequency of repurchase. And that's really it. Like every other, every other tactic, every other thing that you do would fall under one of those uh, categories. And yep. and yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. Once you have a customer, that's the hardest thing to do in e-commerce, continuing to, to delight them and, and help them. That's that's where you win. And, and I know I heard our mutual friend Ezra Firestone say the other day that, you know, ultimately you win or lose by your back end, what you do on the back end. Mm-hmm. And, and this is a huge, a huge part of that, for sure. So, uh, a couple of things you mentioned that I think are, are powerful. Uh, we, we see this a lot, where someone will say, "Okay, uh, cross sell and upsell. Great, I'll do that. I'll put a people also bought with on my site, right?" So that's what Amazon does. I, I've heard, I've heard rumors. I don't know if it's true that Amazon makes like thirty percent of the revenue from uh, cross sells and upsells. But, uh, but we we hear that that's powerful. So we put that people also bought on our website. We put that functionality there, but then we stop. Mm-hmm. And and when we should be looking at how do I email? Maybe how many times do I email? When do I email? Let's add a Facebook Messenger component and make that work as well. And so, are, are there any any um, specific things you're testing when you do cross sells and upsells? Are you are you mainly just uh, you guys are kind of discussing it as a team and saying, hey, they bought these gel pens to use color as an example. We should sell the glitter pens as well. Uh, or are you are you kind of just testing it, and looking at the data or a combination? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a combination of data, logic, uh, you know, just just some of the common sense type stuff. A lot of times, um, and you just mentioned Ezra. I mean, he actually has an app for for this called One Click Upsell. Mm-hmm. The also bought thing is nowhere near good enough. That is not Correct. what you need to be doing on your own store. Um, so we use his app, One Click Upsell, for at, right after someone's purchased a widget, whatever that widget is. Again, they've just entered their credit card. They just got over this trust hump. They bought the product. They've come, you know, to, to actually make this to the purchase. That's the absolute best opportunity to sell them something else right at that exact moment. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll talk about a couple other things here in a second, but that exact moment is the time to sell them something else. So again, these are very brand specific things you got to be thinking about. Mm-hmm. The the number one easiest thing to sell them right after they bought a product is more of the same product. So if you have the type of product that you can do that with, uh, Ezra is a great example of that. He sells makeup for uh, that is geared towards older women, Boom by Cindy Joseph. Mm-hmm. Well, if someone just bought a three-ounce thing of makeup, it's easy to sell them another three ounces of makeup at a, at a discount. So if you have that type of product and that type of brand, I would encourage you to do that as your number one thing. 
But if you have a brand like Color It, it's probably going to be hard to sell them more of the exact same thing. They just bought a coloring book. Why do they need another one that's the exact same title? That doesn't right. make any right. sense, exactly. right? Yeah. So this is where people have to, to, to use some intuition from their own business and their data to, to set these things up. So you know, for us, again, it's like they just bought volume one of a mandala coloring book. Very easy, obvious upsell is go buy volume two right now. Click here to get that added for 25% off right now. Mm-hmm. And yes, you're, drop, you're, you're giving up 25% margin there, but you're increasing your average order value, your cart value, and your lifetime value of a customer at that exact moment. You can do other things afterwards, but at that moment, it's, it's, you can throw that book in that same box. You're, you're reducing your shipping costs, your processing yes. time, all these different things. So the, the advantages way outweigh what you're giving up in margin. Um, and then, so there's all kinds of different things that you can do there. Another, one other example would be for a brand like ice wraps, which is a little bit boring of a company. They just bought a, a, a shoulder ice wrap. Why not offer them extra inserts? You know, like you want to be able to keep your, your, uh, your shoulder cold longer and cycle through packs. Like here's a pack of, you know, extra inserts for 15 bucks to, uh, to be able to ice your shoulder longer for like our, our slight ice wraps. So every brand's a little bit different and what you might offer as an upsell, but you want to be able to offer that right at the cart level, right after they checked out. So that's, that's number one. Yeah. And I think some people are, are hesitant to do that. It's almost like they think we're going to, we're going to lose a sale. We're going to turn somebody off. We're going to, we're going to upset someone because we're trying to sell them something extra. But I think if you look at it from the mindset of, of do what's best for the customer, if it's actually best for them, if they're going to get a lot of enjoyment and pleasure out of one coloring book and then getting the second one, that's going to even be even better. Or in the case of, you know, skin cream or something for boom by Cindy Joseph, they're going to feel like they got a deal, right? I wanted, I wanted this anyway. I'm going to run out of it. If I can get another one right now and save money. Now I feel like I just got a deal. I'm going to maybe tell people I just got a deal. Yeah. Um, So, so delight the customer and, um, don't let some of your own hangups keep you from those upsells. It's going to be worth it financially, but I think you're actually making the customer happier when when you do that, when you do it in the right way. I think you can kind of hit some limits on too many upsells and cross-sells, but but do it. Uh, it's going to make everything better. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And and speaking of the hangups thing, I mean, my biggest hangup was email marketing because I hate email. Like seriously, I'm at a point where I am ready to just like delete all my email addresses and be like, leave me the hell alone. Cause I, I hate email. I can't, I can't keep up yeah. with it. It annoys the crap out of me. I'm sick of responding to email. So because of that, I, and I like to treat people like I like to be treated. So yes. I was very hesitant to, to send any emails for my business. But what I realized was uh, eventually it became literally 50% of our revenue, email marketing, wow. 50% wow. of our, our 52% for color, uh, for color.com. And so that didn't happen overnight, but what ended up happening was I sent one email people were opening and it responded well, and we just kept on adding to it and uh, it became a huge part of our business. And obviously like people wouldn't be buying through those emails if they didn't like what we were doing and right. what they were getting. So the way that we've really, that I got my head around this and got it to a way where I felt personally good about it. Um, number one, nine out of the 10 emails that we send are value-based emails. They are not salesy, buy, buy, buy type emails. They are tips, tricks, information, value of some sort, free things, whatever, that we basically train people to look forward to getting our emails because when they read it, they're happy. You know, it, it adds value to their life in some way. And so they look forward to getting multiple emails from us every week because, again, we're adding value or enriching their lives in some way. It's not us-focused, it's them-focused email. 
And if they don't open up our emails for 13 weeks, we take them off the list. We, we wow. selectively or electively, I should say, yep. unsubscribe them effectively because if they aren't open them and reading them, then I don't want to keep bothering them. And it also helps us as well because it helps our metrics to, yeah, helps your to deliverability. have our deliverability. Your, your which, yep, yep. Yeah. So, you know, those are ways you can get past your hangups. When you see stuff working, then you know you're not pissing people off because right. otherwise they would just, they wouldn't do it, right? So I, I agree with you. Like if you're probably helping them more than you're, you know, and don't think about things in your own terms all the time because Absolutely. not everyone thinks the way that you do. Your customer is not necessarily you. In a lot of ways, they're not you. Yeah. You know, think about that way. Okay, cool. So uh, so upsells in the cart. What what else in terms of, of upsells, cross-sells? Yeah, so I mean, once, you know, once they've closed that window, that opportunity is gone, right? So you got to move on to the next uh, opportunity. Uh, Follow-up email sequences, like, you know, back to bringing email back into it, work incredibly well. Um, you just got someone to purchase. Uh, the emails they open up the most are their receipt, their shipped emails, and like their deliver, your package has been delivered. So make sure you're sending these types of things. This is a great opportunity also for a message from the owner kind of email that comes and just follow up and make sure they're happy with their product. Uh, send some tips and tricks about the product, like an unboxing of the product that they just got, other people using that product and, and showing things that they... Again, every brand's a little bit different. So it depends on what you're doing, but maybe, you know, for, for color, it, it's like, here's 10 ways that someone colored uh, the first design and the book you just received to give you some creative inspirational ideas uh, for ice wraps. It might be, here's a video on how to put this damn thing on because we get, we used yeah. to get a lot of questions of how does the straps work for a particular wrap, help them with those things. And then, you know, shortly after that is a really good opportunity. Yeah, what's the, what's the benefit of that? I, I can think of several benefits right away, but that might not be immediately obvious. Why, why do you do that? Oh, I mean, it reduces their support request, right? So we get less, it's less work for us is what it ends up being. We get happier customers because they actually know how to use the product. Probably the most important benefit is lower return rate, yeah. right? Because like they, they know how to use the product and, and because they're happy, they're probably a repeat customer as well. They're going to consume more and buy more. Yeah, if I, exactly. if I start coloring in that coloring book right away and you just gave me some cool ideas, I'm much more likely now to finish that book, move on to the next right. one. Uh, whereas if you just kind of, short circuit it or, or go the easy route and don't send those emails. You have lower consumption, lower repeat. And, Absolutely. And all the things you just said, yeah. It's all. I mean, the one that you just, the example you just mentioned is probably the best one. Think of how many books you've bought that you haven't even ever read. Like I know I do this. Like you buy it, you intend, like I'm going to read this. It ends up on the shelf or ends up in your e-reader. You never open it. You send that email and that book that's like already kind of like filtered to the bottom of their stack of things that they're coloring can come to the top right? You can actually get them to start consuming it and using it because you're like, hey, check out these 10 things that people did with this book. And they're like, man, that looks really freaking good. That's the drawing I want to color right now. And you just yep. make them change their, their, their headspace and start using that product. There's all kinds of benefits of doing this. And, yep. Yep. Um, you know, and again, if you approach it from a, from a perspective of like, I'm going to help this customer, this person, like, I think it's easy for me to do because I just, I kind of live my life that way anyway. So, right. And, and again, like I like to treat others like I like to be treated. I hate getting emails. So if I think in my, my mind, like if I was to get an email from a company and I actually was happy that I got that email, what would that look like? You start yeah. dreaming that up. Yep. Send that email. That's the email right. to send, right? Don't yep. send the email of like, hey man, like leave me a review. Here's a reminder to leave me another review. Like what can you do for me? What can you do for me? What can you do for me? That's like what most companies are sending out is their email communication. Yep. It's really yep. flipping annoying. So all I did was I hit unsubscribe or hit spam and... Like, leave me the hell alone. I don't want to buy from you anymore. Like, you're yep, annoying. Yep. 
Yep. Yep. And I think as, as we, we realize a couple things, one, the anticipation of a product coming is part of the experience and people mm-hmm. love that. Like there's something psychological, a real benefit there of knowing this thing is on its way and I'm looking forward to that. And so sending those unboxing emails that here's great designs or here's how other people are using it, it fuels that anticipation and, and adds psychologically to the, to the whole experience. Yeah. The other thing, and I've seen some studies on this, I can't quote what they are, but I think it'll make sense to everybody. I've heard that, that if, you, if you educate someone in the right way, it improves the experience. So I'll give you an example. I've been to restaurants and we all have where the, the server is like, hey, you know, the, the, this, um, these ribs were smoked for 12 hours and it's our, it's our proprietary blend. And they're like just <laughs> right. building it all up in the wood and stuff. And you're like, those ribs are going to taste better once they get there than if they had just been said nothing. You know, just... Yep. Up, fine, give me your order, whatever, move along. Uh, it, it prepares them to experience it better and adds to the experience all, all around. So, yeah, no doubt. I mean, and, and buying stuff is, is very psychological. It's, you know, we become a very consumeristic society, which is something that I'm not necessarily thrilled about, but that's another whole story. Agreed. But the Agreed. science behind it is um, when you buy something, you know, it gives you that dopamine hit, right? Mm-hmm. It feels like anything that you buy, for the most part, unless you're like repairing something that, you know, you don't want to like pay for a, a new uh, shocks in your car. That never feels good. Right. But yep. when you're buying new clothes or, uh, you know, iToys or whatever, iPhones and iPads or whatever, um, you know, clothing, like I already mentioned clothing, but, uh, you know, coloring books, if you're into coloring, scuba gear, if you're into scuba, like all this stuff feels good. Like you have like, you, you have some level from one to 10 of, man, that feels really good. I'm excited to have that. And as a business, you can really accentuate that. Yes. by what we're talking about, right? The unboxing experience, the customer service experience, the follow-up experience, all these different things. So you can take that, that dopamine hit that the customer received from like a three to a seven or to a 10. They're going to be much more likely to buy from you again because that is what they remember. You know, it's like the, the mouse uh, sipping off the cocaine drip off, you know, these experiments, right? And you can, I mean, exactly. you can kind of engineer it that way. I mean, it it's kind of seems weird to talk about it in that way, but... Yeah, um, but, 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 it's you know, but it's true. But it's true, right? Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. Absolutely. So, so you get the, the, the email sequence. Uh, what, what else? Any other thoughts there? Yeah. So, there's the, the last piece of this that worked incredibly well for us were sophisticated, like uh, targeted Facebook ads to existing customers. Mm-hmm. And Clavio is incredible at helping with this. So, bringing back that same example we were talking about before, you bought volume one of a book or you bought some, some gel pens, here's a different type of pen. It's very easy to build a segment within Clavio of people who have purchased a product. And then you can synchronize those people to Facebook as a custom audience and run ads to them. So I call this the bought this, but not that strategy, pretty simple strategy. Yep, um, that's great. But these are things that return 12 to 20x ROI for us in terms of ad spend. Because again, now you're advertising to people who have already bought from you. They already trust your brand. They've already gone past that hump we were talking about earlier. They've already consumed your product. If you are like me, I'm really passionate and obsessive about making a really good product. And I hope everybody listening feels the same way. Like I do not want to sell somebody a piece of junk and just make money and move on to the next thing. I I want them to actually enjoy the products that they get from me. And so if you can complete all those things, they're already going to be in a positive frame of mind when they see your ads. And so now you have someone that's receptive to your ads, receptive to your brand, receptive to your products. And they're like, oh yeah. Like I really did like that volume one. I, I want volume two. And that's why these things are 12 to 20 X ROI. Oftentimes people, again, the exciting thing is to run Facebook ads to existing 
customers or to new customers. I mean, you're trying to get new customers and that's all we focus on. You don't think about the existing customer in terms of Facebook ads typically, or why would I spend money to, 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 uh, to get another sale from an existing customer? Well, the answer is again, 20 X ROI is the reason why. And it's a sale that you probably wouldn't have gotten from that customer otherwise, uh, because they probably aren't opening your email. Um, one of the most humbling things that ever happened to me and, and changed my life and my business for the better. I just got off a stage uh, speaking at e-commerce field. I did this awesome presentation about email marketing. Shout I was all proud of myself. Shout out to you. I was all proud of myself. And like, I'm like, man, I just crushed this presentation and I'm talking about like how I get 30% open rates and how much money we make from email marketing. And uh, I get off stage and this guy's like, what about the 70% of people that don't open your emails? I was like, oh, damn. Like, that's that. It, but it was, and so I was like kind of crushed when he said it. But then I started thinking about it. And that's actually when these Facebook campaigns that I'm talking about came to light. So it's funny how things happen in life uh, that you, I was never thinking in terms of that. But when he said that, I was like, he's right. Like, those other 70% of people, I need to go after them too, because it's working really well with email. It can work really well with other strategies. And Yes, there's going to be some people that are going to see the email and the Facebook ad. That's not a bad thing either. But the reality is, is that I'm going to catch people on Facebook that never open up the email. Absolutely. Uh, And and same thing with Facebook Messenger, right? So that's when we started doing those things. And, you know, so last year, um, our our net profit grew uh, about 25% faster than our top line revenue by employing these strategies, right? I mean... It's also yeah. why we sold the company so quickly and easily because yeah. you, you see these trends. Um, it really helps. And again, people, you get so fixated on this top line number because it's the number everyone talks about. Oh, you're a seven-figure seller. I sold $8 million of stuff last year. No one ever is like, yeah. I, I made $12,000 on my $8 because I'm a really bad business person and <laughs> I don't make any money. So like, I mean, I wish we talked about that more. And so yes. for us, I mean, yes. it, it took, you know, um, you know $300,000, $400,000 in net profit and, and had that grow at a much faster rate than our than our top line for for color it because we were getting 20x ROI on our ads or sending more creative emails that cost nothing versus focusing just on getting new customers and we, we still did that too don't don't get me wrong but we wanted to look at things in terms of overall performance of our ads and how can you extract the most money out of out of customers and get the best lifetime value of a customer get the highest average cart value and bump up the metrics on the things that really matter, which is the very end of the funnel. Like the very last things that you yes. do is what makes all the money in e-commerce. So we, we really leverage that stuff. Uh, and and that's, that's beautiful. If you're going, if you're, if you're building a business for the long haul, you want to keep it, those strategies work. You're building it to sell. Think about what you do to your multiple for your exit when you, when you build those things. It's, it's just, mm-hmm. it's amazing. And, and what we see all the time is that you know everybody knows you should remarket everybody knows you should email but but nobody's doing it in a way that's or I shouldn't say nobody few people are leveraging it the way they should and so the the bot this not that or Ezra calls it bot x not y we implement those same campaigns on YouTube and the Google Display Network and with Gmail ads and then we mm-hmm. kind of segment them by uh, by a variety of things, we'll kind of lump them together. That hey, people that bought this product here, the related products, we'll kind of advertise those over time. Usually, you know, and we set different goals for you know, here's our CPA goal for cold traffic, here's our CPA for remarketing traffic, and then CPA for bought this, not that is even lower. Like it, you, you mentioned, twenty X. Yeah. I mean, that's common. So now you're saying 
I can maybe sell this one customer two or three more things they would not have purchased if I hadn't run these ad campaigns. And so yeah. uh, I, I love it. Facebook, do it all day long there, uh, but also consider Google Display Network and YouTube and, uh, and Gmail ads uh, as yeah. well. So that's awesome. Um, very good. This has been amazing. We got, I got like 15 more questions I want to ask you and we don't have time to ask all of them. So I'm just going to kind of kind of pick and choose here as we go. Uh, let's talk Amazon a little bit. And Amazon, man, it's such an interesting space. I'm fascinated by it. Uh, I think we should all be a little scared of it as well, <laughs> if we're being honest. Uh, yeah. but, but, but really good stuff. You, you talked about in 2015, just whatever, man. Pick a product, put it up there and watch the sales come in. What what um, what are kind of some un- it's harder now. What are, what are some kind of underutilized ways to grow on Amazon? Yeah, I mean, I think the the most underutilized thing to grow on Amazon is to is to completely change your mentality and the way that you think about Amazon. Mm-hmm. So most people that are Amazon sellers, they're like ninety nine point nine percent their business comes from Amazon. They're just in this rat race of trying to get their product to rank higher on Amazon. And it's all like in this vacuum of, of Amazon. And for us, my mindset has changed to Amazon is just the channel for my brand. I want to be thinking at a brand level, not as an Amazon business level, you know, someone selling on Amazon that has a business selling stuff on Amazon, where 100% of my business lives in their playground. Because you're right, it's scary. And, and it's even more scary to someone like me who's been around the block a few times and been in this situation where the inevitable like 80% of your revenue comes from one source. What happens the day that they tell, they tell you that it's going away? And that's going to manifest itself in a few different ways on Amazon. It's either going to be they raise their fee from 15% to 20% to sell on their platform. They raise their storage fees. They shut your account down one day because the customer complained that you're selling something used as or new as used or whatever, even though it's not true. You get a false IP complaint from a competitor. I mean, something eventually will happen to, to take you off that pedestal and you're in, you're in a bad spot. But if you're a brand focusing on Amazon, you can think of things in a much different way. And the most important part of all of that, that people that I wish they kind of got and spent some more effort on is it actually ends up helping your Amazon sales and your Amazon positioning. Because the thing that made us so successful selling things on Amazon was not a bunch of black hat shady tactics that work right now. It was, we're building a brand. We're, we're working very hard off Amazon to build a list, to build a following, to build rabid loyal fans. And when we launch new products, we're going to tell them that they're available on Amazon. So now those off Amazon customers go buy on Amazon. And one of the things that Amazon loves more than anything as a part of their algorithm is off Amazon traffic coming Absolutely. to them. Absolutely. It, it, it's hard to game. It's hard to, to game that. You, there's definitely ways to do it, but long-term, it's a hard thing to, to fake. And so I always think about those types of things as I'm you know, thinking forward in, in terms of how am I going to position my business? And so we were able to compete in these like ultra competitive niches like gel pens, for instance. I mean, we had, before we sold Crazy. color, we were on the first page. I think we still are, or they're, they're, they are. I have to use them in uh, different tents now. Um, but I, I believe that color, it still ranks on the first page for gel pens, which is one of the most competitive, competitive. things. Never did a single discount or coupon, no black hat you know, URLs, no two-step URLs, no super URLs, no rebate keys or any of these other types of things. And again, I'm not trashing that stuff because I know people that do it and I've done it myself. I'm not going to be a hypocrite, but 
we don't need to do those things for that brand because we've built the brand and we have people that want those products, like, like legitimately want that stuff. Or we build a list of people to send over there and think about the long term of what does Amazon really want, right? And what are they going? What are they trying to prevent in, in terms of their platform? They don't want manipulated reviews. That's bad for their platform. They don't want manipulated sales and rankings. They don't want you know, you giving away a product and then giving them a full refund or all these different things that people are doing. And yes, it works. And again, I'm not trying to be a hypocrite, but the long, the long-term game for me is what they really want is they want a brand, a people, a following of people that really want these products and uh, legitimately good products that there's good customer service and support behind and everything. And that's easy to actually to do. It's actually easy to manipulate the rankings and, and do all these things in a white hat way. So why not think in that in terms of that? Yes. And that's yeah. that's the approach that we've been taking, and it's allowed us to rank for for things like that. We rank, I, th- I think, color was like number one for Mandala Coloring Book, which is actually a really competitive search. Wow. And here's the thing: our products were fifty to hundred percent more than anything else on Amazon. So it wasn't a price thing; it's it was, you know, building that brand and people, you know, searching for it. Uh, one last thing to say about this, because uh, we also on the off Amazon thing. Um, and Amazon, like the number one thing that people would search for was actually our brand name. Like that was actually the number one pe- way people would find us. So that's when you kind of know that you... Yes, that's when you got a following, you, you built demand, yeah. Exactly. So that's kind of my spiel on that. I mean, I think the window was closing rapidly in terms of I'm going to go launch widgets on Amazon and just sell stuff on Amazon. That's going to get more and more difficult. It's already, I think, the door is like kind of like, you know, almost yeah, completely yeah. shut. It's like there's like there's a little bit of light coming through and it can still be done. But I think that there's a huge runway of I'm going to build a brand. I'm going to, you know, and this is where it kind of circles back to the what SKUs do you want to develop and your product line extension. You got to make sure that this stuff all fits cohesively together because you want to have this leverage when you do launch new products that people are going to actually buy. So you don't want to be launching SKUs that that don't fit in that in that circle of influence that you have. One hundred percent agree. Cannot agree more. Uh, you know, it, in some ways, it's more challenging to build a real brand and and to build a real following. But in a lot of ways, it's not because once yeah. you you kind of get this flywheel going and this this virtuous circle going as you as you build up some of these things. And so I, I fully agree with you. I think the future, the successful e-commerce companies are those that build brands, build a following. Use Amazon as a channel, uh, a channel, leverage it, but don't put all your eggs in that basket. And uh, and yeah, the, the days of just gaming, manipulating the system only, that window's closing, and it's it's probably at best a short term play uh, for most people. So uh, with that, I know we got like a minute or two left. Uh, Mike has been phenomenal, by the way. Thank you. Uh, talk to us about Ecom Crew. So like I mentioned, I love the podcast, but tell folks a little bit about the podcast, what you guys do with Ecom Crew. And anything coming up you want us to know about? Yeah, I mean, I love talking about this stuff. I I am a entrepreneurial nerd. Like, I mean, at, at heart, I mean, I am I am the geek of all geeks when it comes to talking about business and talking about e-commerce. I just I love business. I love meeting all the people that are doing this stuff. Um, you could probably tell just from like we were in the mastermind you were mentioning. I mean, I just yeah. I love this stuff. I just absolutely love it. And so, you know, Ecom Crew is like my outlet for that. Like I get to talk about all this stuff all the time. I mean, we're 270 or so episodes into the podcast now. Crazy. Lots of interviews with other entrepreneurs. Uh, some of them are me uh, talking solo about 
random topics or philosophy about business um, and e-commerce. It's all you know somewhat related to e-commerce, obviously. And then there's the blog, which my partner Dave uh, does like 95% of the writing for. There's a ton of really amazing written content there. We have a bunch of free courses, which are kind of our uh, lead magnets into... We do have a training program and stuff like that. Um, but we're definitely not the hard sell type people. Uh, we let our work there speak for itself. I mean, it's the same philosophy that we've taken to build our e-commerce businesses, which is give a bunch of value first, develop a relationship with people, treat people like you like to be treated. I don't want someone coming up to me and just being like, what can you do for me as their first touch point? I hate that. Uh, we all hate that. So don't be that guy. I mean, our first touch point through our about 100th touch point is how can we help you? And at some point, if you ever feel like you need more, then we're there for those other things. We'll be never, never push it. And, and it's worked well. I think that people can learn a lot from that as well. I think uh, the world would be a better place if everyone uh, treated everyone like that. And, uh, and, and you know, the, the reality is, yes, it's a lot more hard work up front. Same thing you're talking about building a brand, but the long run is we've done way better financially from it. Right. So it Absolutely. just, it, it's, it works out great in every aspect. And um, yeah, ecomcrew.com, E-C-O-M, C-R-E-W or Ecom Crew on iTunes. Support ecomcrew.com if you want to email me. Awesome. Love it. Mike Jackness, ladies and gentlemen. Mike, you crushed it, man. That was a ton of fun. We could have talked for probably two more hours and I would have been, I would have had a blast and, and been engaged and, and enjoyed it. So we'll, we'll link to everything in the show notes, ecomcrew.com. But Mike, really appreciate it, man. It's been a lot of fun. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me on. And uh, let's do it again. We can get the second hour in some time. Do it, man. Let's do it. Let's plan on it. So with Thank that... Uh, thank you, Mike. And thank you for tuning in. And as always, we'd love to hear from you. What would you like to hear more of? We'd love some show suggestions and ideas. Uh, we'd love that five-star review on iTunes if you, feel, if you feel so inclined. That helps other people find the show as well. And with that, until next time, thank you for listening. At OMG Commerce, we accelerate growth for some of the most loved brands in e-commerce, like Boom, Native, True Earth, Overtone, and dozens more. If your Google and YouTube ad performance isn't where it should be, if you're struggling with Performance Max, or if you're not scaling like you'd like on Amazon, then we have two ways to help. One, we have amazing resources that are free for the taking, like our top YouTube ads guide with lots of examples, our PMAX checklist, or our Amazon DSP roadmap, plus many more. Or hit us up for a free strategy session. So go on over to omgcommerce.com and click on Let's Talk to request that free strategy session, or click on Resources and Guides and pick the guide that's right for you. And now back to the show.